0: Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Good morning. It's finally feeling like summer. Oh,
1: thank you, Lord. Raise your hand if you like taking tests. Because right now we're going to take a pop quiz. No, I can see the stress coming on. Raise your hand if you detest tests. Okay. I don't mind tests, as long as I know the material ahead of time. I hate when they tell you the material ahead of time and it's different than what they told you. That's not fair. But I still, to this day, because I'm still in seminary, and I take tests, and sometimes I get really stressed out about it because I want to do really well. But I think we can learn from kids who take tests a little less stressful. They take it with a little more air of peace in their life and humor. So I think we can learn from these kids' answers. So this one here is good. What ended in 1896? And the answer is 1895. That should be an A right there. Or this one. Name the quadrilaterals, and Bob, Sam, Kate, Harry. I think that's awesome. Why are there rings on Saturn? Because God liked it, so he put a ring on it. Uh, that's, and then the teacher wrote, Saturn was not a single lady. No sense of humor, come on. Next, in a word, describe school. Hell. I think that's fine. And I'll just place a pair of on a microscope, and when she looks into it, she can't see anything. Suggest so one reason why not. She's blind. <laughs> I mean, I don't see the problem with that answer, actually. So, is that it? I think I don't have any more, right? I could go on and on, but I think we need to relax and take tests with less stress. But I'm here to tell you this morning that, like Abraham, faithful people will be tested. Faithful people will be tested. We will be tested in our faith because it's through testing that our faith grows. Kind of like spiritual discipline exercises that we do when God tests our faith. As we go through this passage today, let's uh, talk about where we are in the story of Genesis, and the story of the Bible, because I remember I said you can't really know the end and the middle unless you know the beginning. So, we've been going through Genesis and we've learned that God created what? Everything, right? Remember, Adam bombed and caused a chain reaction in Pastor Brian's life. Man became so evil that God had to judge the earth with a worldwide flood, and only Noah and his family were saved. God called Abraham from the land of. It's a great church. I love this. To follow God into the land he did not know, which is the promised land, which is Canaan. God made a covenant with Abraham, which is called the Abrahamic covenant. And the covenant could only be fulfilled as long as Abraham had an heir to the promise, which would be Isaac, Sarah's son. Now, Before Isaac, Abraham and Sarah did what? They tried to help God out. Ever tried to help God out? (laughs) Doesn't go too well. So they had an Ishmael, and they didn't wait for the Isaac. God finally opens Sarah's womb, and Isaac was born. Sarah was 89, and when Abraham was 100 years old. By the way, have you seen the lady at 103, has running races, like 100 meters? Have you seen her? She started at the age of 100. She says in the interview, she says, yeah, I had to give up my nap to run. (laughs) Abraham's 100 years old, and they have Isaac. Now, were Abraham and Sarah perfect people? No. Made a lot of mistakes. But although imperfect, God used them, right? We're still talking about them today. That's pretty cool. Abraham believed God and was as credit to him as righteousness. When we believe God, it is credit to us as righteousness. So it's the same type of faith. But now we come to another quandary in the story. So we start here, Genesis 22, 1, where it says, now it came about after these things. What things? Some of the things I just told you, that God called Abraham at the age of 75 to leave the land of. And Abraham and Sarah helped God out and had a Ishmael. At 99, God instructed Abraham and all the men in the family there to be circumcised. And to circumcise all the males at eight days old. And then at 99, remember last week you talked about God came with two angels and prophesied the birth of Isaac. And what did Sarah do? Laugh. And the name Isaac, Isaac, means Laughter. One year later, Isaac is born. Now we come up to the test. So all these things happen. Abraham has now walked with the Lord for 25 years, but he really didn't know him. I I think he knew him to a degree. I think he knew him as Elohim. I don't think he knew him as Yahweh until this event. I think this totally changed his life. So it says, God tested Abraham. Now, it's a well-documented fact that God tests those whom he loves. You know the story of Job. Did Job do anything wrong? No, Job was a God-fearing, worshiping man. Remember the story, Satan and God are having a conversation, which is an interesting concept. Satan asks permission, because Satan always has to ask permission, hey, you know, the reason Job loves you is because you give him everything he wants. And if you take stuff away, he won't love you anymore. And God says, OK, I'm going to test him and I'm going to prove you wrong. And his whole family's devastated and all this money and everything is gone. And then he sits there with his friends and they're not really good friends. They're judging him and saying, hey, you did something wrong. At the end, he gets double what he had before. But he was tested, right? Was Israel tested? Well, yes, they were. And Deuteronomy 8, 2 says, You, Israel, shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years that he might humble you, testing you to know what's in your heart. Now, God knows what's in your heart, but we need to find out what's in our heart through being tested, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Jesus, was he tested? Yeah, and remember, after he got baptized, it says in Matthew 4, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil or tested in his faith. If Jesus was tested, will we be tested? Look in James 1.12. Read it with me. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So why does God test us? to grow our faith, to find out what's in our heart. He knows. He doesn't have to test us to know what's in our heart, but we find out. Are we just talking the talk or are we walking the walk? And God said to Abraham, and he said, here I am. So God speaks to Abraham and Abraham's answer. So if you want to pass the test of when God speaks to you, these are the three words you say. Here I am. Say them. Here I am. Remember, Abraham had walked 25 years with the Lord, and he's still saying, Here I am. Are you still saying, Here I am? That's how we should respond to God. That's the correct response. Now, let's look at what's included in God's test. First, the test involves sacrifice. Do you know that everything we do for the Lord is a sacrifice. Everything. Because it goes against our natural desire to do everything for me, for yourself. Just the fact that you're here this morning is a sacrifice. You got out of bed and you came to worship as the Bible and God directs us to do. So in verse 2 of chapter 22, God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, now, the verbiage in the text in here is very familiar. If you know anything about the New Testament and how God refers to His Son, Jesus, you'll understand. Look at Luke 3.22, when Jesus was baptized. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove. And a voice, the voice of the Father, came out of heaven and says, You are my beloved Son. So God says to Abraham, take your beloved son. And in John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible, read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That word in the Greek, one and only, is monogenes. If you looked at it, it looked like monogenes. It's the one mono of a kind. One of a kind. And so one and only is in reference to Jesus Christ being one of a kind. And whoever believes in him will not perish. And so God says to Abraham, what? Take your one and only son, one of a kind. Did Abraham have more than one son? So is God just dissing Ishmael? No. Ishmael got blessed. He had 12 nations, which became the Arab nations. But we're not talking about a number, we're talking about a kind, okay, our value. In 1 John 4, 9, so this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So when we're going through this passage, I want you to see the text as very familiar that term one and only son. As God the Father sacrificed his one and only son, Abraham was told to do the same. Now, God has many sons, and we talked about the word, we are all sons, we're adopted sons because we're all heirs to the promise of the new covenant through Christ, but Jesus is the one and only, he's one of a kind, he's the God-man, we are not like that, but we are his sons. God, our father, did not withhold his one and only son from sacrifice, and Abraham, our father of faith would not withhold his son, one and only son. So what does God tell him to do? He tells him to go to the land of Moriah. Moriah in Hebrew, it means seen by God. And it's located in Jerusalem today, currently. But this is Moriah today. That's Mount Moriah. Where is that? That's the Temple Mount. And today... There's a 37-acre tract of land, which is very important land. It's the Holy Mount, where the Temple of Solomon was built. Now, there's the Dome of the Rock. There's a Muslim shrine that was built 1,300 years ago called the Al-Aqsa Mosque. God sent Abraham to a land called Seen by God, That Abraham did not know what was going to happen on that land. And he takes his one and only son to sacrifice him on that mountain. Sound familiar? It should. So it goes on. And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Now, this kind of gets a little weird. Why is God talking about sacrificing children? First of all, we have to understand that during this time, the Canaanite religion, which was a pagan religion, which worshipped false gods, they did that all the time. They worshipped their kids to false gods. Abraham did not know this god fully yet. So he's like, oh, okay, I guess God just wants me to do what the others are doing. So it was obviously weird, but it wasn't as weird in that culture, sadly. Here, instead of Abraham offering Isaac up to a false god, he's taking Isaac, his one and only son, to offer him to the true God. Now, Abraham thus far has made five sacrifices. First of all, he's left his land. Secondly, he's left his family. Third, he's left his nephew Lot, because Abraham went to Canaan. Lot went to live in Sodom, Gomorrah. Fourth, He sacrificed his son Ishmael. Remember, Sarah told Abraham, I don't want them living with us anymore. And God told Abraham to listen to Sarah. So he sent off his son Ishmael. And now he's about to sacrifice Isaac. But each sacrifice resulted in a greater blessing. So here's the part that I hope you will identify with, besides, obviously, the reference to God the Father and God the Son. What in your life is more important to you or that you think about more than God? Or what area of your life do you need a blessing? Because Abraham, every time he would do something that God said, he received a greater blessing. So what is it that God might be calling you to sacrifice on the altar of the Lord? Maybe it's your dreams and desires. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your ministry. Maybe it's your money. In my case, I've had to take this church up to Mount Moriah many times. Maybe your kids have walked away from the Lord. Have you taken them up and given them to God? Because here's the thing. Nothing belongs to us. And here's what we're going to find out about Abraham. We know the end of the story, right? God saves Isaac. God saves Abraham from having to actually slaughter his child. But do you not think that Abraham had already made the decision in his heart that it was a done deal? It's about the heart. It's about when God calls your name and you say, here I am, Lord, and he tells you, I want you to do this. It's about, is it a done deal? Or are you holding back? I would advise you not to hold anything back from God. Because next week, we're going to talk about the wrestling match with Jacob. And you always lose that one. To me, that's what really sticks out when I'm looking at this passage. Because God is always faithful to give back better and greater blessings when we're willing to just, in our heart, say, Lord, yeah, you're right. It's a done deal. Here it is. Here she is. Here he is. Whatever it is, Lord, I give this to you. You know better than what I would do. You know better than how to make this thing work out. Because isn't that what Abraham's doing? He's trusting the Lord. Three days he's walking up there. Like we are, Abraham was on a faith journey. We're on a faith journey. And we'll be tested And it's only when we're willing to hand it over that we can receive it back, but better. Next, the test involves obedience. So it involves sacrifice. It involves obedience. To do what God says to do and not wait. How long do you normally wait to do what God's saying to do? Here's the way I see it in my life. I have a propensity to wait for what God tells me to do and to rush into what he says not to do. So in verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning. He didn't wait a day, two days, a week, a month. Yeah, I'll get around to it. He did it right away. And we need to learn this from Abraham. We need to rise early in the morning and show up. I'm impressed by Abraham's obedience. I always say, if you want God To give you some more things or more blessings? Do the next thing. There's people who haven't done the next thing and wondering why they're not experiencing the fifth thing. Just do the very next thing. That's true obedience. And then you do the thing after that. And then you do the thing after that. And before you know it, you're walking with the Lord. So what does Abraham do? Rises early in the morning. He saddles up his donkey took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering. By the way, remember this imagery of wood as Jesus carried wood up the mountain and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Now, as we continue in Genesis 22, you can follow along in your Bibles as well, starting in verse 4. So, on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes And saw the place from a distance. Now it's kind of cool, the third day imagery there, as we know that Jesus rose on the third day. And Abraham had already sacrificed Isaac in his heart. So it is kind of like a resurrection. It is. Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkey. And he probably says that because he doesn't want them to come and stop him. Have you ever had people try and stop you from doing what God wants you to do? Get different friends. Abraham said, stay here. So he says, and I and the lad, the NASB translates as lad. It's a young boy. will go over there and we will worship. Now remember, they're going to worship on the same mountain where the temple will be built thousands of years later. Here's a cool thing he says in faith. He says, and we're going to return to you. We're going to find out in a minute. Abraham already figured it out that, hey, if God's asked me to do this, he's got to figure it figured out, and he's going to work it out. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And God the Father sent his one and only son to carry your wood and die on your wood. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together, and that's going to be a repeating statement we're going to talk about in a bit, walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. So this is the first time he speaks, as documented. And he said, Here I am, my son. Isn't that interesting? The same response he says to God, his father, he says to his son. And Isaac said, Behold. He's figuring it out, right? The fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, and this is incredibly prophetic, God will provide for himself the lamb. What does John the Baptist say when he sees Jesus the Christ? The lamb of God God who takes away the sin of the world. The two of them walked on together. And here's such an important part of this. Do you see the submission to authority? Do you see... The father Abraham submitting to the father God. And do you see the son Isaac submitting to his father Abraham? This is how it's supposed to function in the body of Christ. Today, I just saw a statistic. 50% of younger people say that it's fine to not submit to authority in their life. And a lot of this is due to the way that they're raised. When I was a kid, if I ever called an adult by their first name, I would have been taken care of. If I ever would walk up to someone in authority and call them by their first name, instead of saying, thank you, officer, pastor, teacher... You know, I'm in seminary. And by the way, just a praise report, I don't know if you've known this is a long time journey been going on, but it looks like I'm finally getting into the PhD department. So yeah, but God has been faithful. I'm telling you, there should be a lot of other things I got to do, but God just has favor on this. So I always say PhD at my age stands for physically dead. But, uh, But to this, when I email my professor, I don't call them by their first name. I call him Dr. Such and Such. Because it's the position. It's respect for the position. It's respect for the office. There is just lack of respect. You know, for the first part of this church, I wanted to like relate with the people and everything. and I said, oh, just call me by my first name. That's cool. But you know what? This doesn't mean <laughs> that I deserve respect that way. But I think the office of pastor is an office that should be respected. I never called my pastors by their first name. And here's the other thing. Do you know that the pastor has been given spiritual authority over the church where he shepherds? And he is under authority of the great shepherd. But do you know that? And it's the same thing in the family, where the father has a certain level of authority that he's responsible to uphold. Does every man take this seriously and do it? No, I do. I try to. So here's the question. So where's Sarah? She's not in this. Where is she? What's she doing? Well, we do know this. Remember last week where Sarah referred to Abraham as my Lord? Does Abraham deserve to be called Lord? I mean, he's a mess up. He basically just let her lie and actually told her to lie. And here's the important thing about that. We're messed up. Nobody is deserving of anything that God gives. Amen? If we sit here and think, oh, I deserve this. No. But there's a certain order to things. God is a God of order. So the fact that Sarah was submitting to her husband Abraham was meaning that she was submitting to the Lord. And in fact, she appeals to the Lord... Women, did you ever appeal to the Lord for your knucklehead husband? (laughs) I know my wife does. I tell her, please, I'm a knucklehead. Deborah, what was that definition about the submit? (laughs) Ducking low enough to let God hit your husband over the head. Isn't it better if God hit your husband over the head than you? As believers, because I've counseled married people, and I'm not... Perfect. I don't always have the right thing to say. But if God has given me authority as your pastor and we talk about it and then you don't do that, then you're just basically dissing God's authority in your life. This is where it breaks down. Before you start making decisions, come to the Lord. And that means people who are in authority who love you. Do you know that I love you? There's so much there. But that's an important thing to understand. So the next thing is the test involves trust. How much do you trust God? So then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac, which, by the way, it's interesting. Jewish tradition refers to this passage as the binding of Isaac, where I would think of a lot of other things, But you have to understand a Jew who's not in Christ, who has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Messiah, they're under the law. And so they see this as a lawful kind of thing where the son would just do, but there's a lot of grace. There's so much grace in this passage. You have to see this, right? And laid him on the altar on top of the wood and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife To slay his son. And that word literally means slaughter. So here's the thing. How much do you trust God that you would actually do this? You have to do it in your heart first. I always say, we're not going to be the community center if it's not in our heart. We're not going to reach people for Christ if it's not in our heart. We're not going to have God's heart if we don't ask him to give it to us and then respond that way. It has to be in the heart. Not just the mouth. Because obedience is not just speaking things. Obedience is actually doing it. Jesus said, if you love me, you will what? Obey my commands. So Abraham stretches out his hand with the knife. And I told you, I've had to bring this church. And in particular, in uh, 2008, when everything was falling apart and all hell broke loose. And I was ready to give up. And I just wanted to take the knife and just slaughter it and say, we're done. But God had promised me the vision for this church. Was He not going to do that? I believe He would. make a long story short, He saved this church. And He saved me in the middle of it. I grew to understand Him in a way bigger way. And God's vision is being accomplished in us and through us. As we all take it up to the mountain and give it to the Lord. Because as long as it was my vision, it was going to die. But if it's God's vision, it never dies. So what needed to be sacrificed to God so that it can live for you? In Hebrews chapter 11, the author of Hebrews is going back to this story. He says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested by God, offered up Isaac. So it was by faith. And he who had received the promises was offering up his one and only son. So how could that be? God promised his son he was born, and now Abraham is offering up the promise. It was to Abraham to whom God said, in or through Isaac, your seed shall be called or named. And that's important because Abraham's genealogy, all the way to Christ, depended on Isaac. Do you ever read in the Bible, the God of what? Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, if Isaac was taken out, that wouldn't be the case. In fact, in Genesis 21: 12 is what we're referring to, but God said to Abraham, do not be distressed because of Ishmael and your maid Hagar. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her. Listen to your wife, for through Isaac, your descendants shall be named, not through Ishmael, through Isaac. And in verse 19 of Hebrews 11. Abraham considered that God could even raise Isaac from the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. What does that mean? Abraham had already given up Isaac in his heart, so figuratively speaking, he was resurrected. That's the power of trusting God. Now here's the thing. By trusting God, you will pass the test. If you trust God, you will pass the test. It's not up to you. It's up to trusting the Lord who loves you. It goes, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withhold your son, your one and only son from me. That's the test of loyalty. And Abraham passed it. not because he was some great guy with a lot of self-discipline. He trusted God. And then going on, Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it will be provided. And that little word means seen. In the mount of the Lord it will be seen. That Jesus is the one who follows through all the way. an angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, "By myself, I've sworn declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your Son, your only Son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies, which means you are going to possess the land and the gate is Jericho. And then later down the road, Israel is going to take the land. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed through Jesus Christ, the seed, because you have what? Obeyed my voice. He stretched out the knife. It wasn't just talk. It was a walk. Because if you trust God, you're going to trust him all the way, even with the knife in the hand. Let's pray. That was the day Abraham came to know God, not as Elohim, but as Yahweh, the one who saves. That day, Isaac rose from the dead, figuratively speaking, and he went on to be the heir to the promise, but would give birth to Jacob, and Jacob would pass on the seed through Israel, and David, and then the Lord Jesus Christ who would be the one who would actually die on the wood for our sins, but would rise from the dead and give us eternal life. And now that we have received that eternal life, we walk in the eternal life. So what is it in your heart? What is it in your life that you need a resurrection? As our heads are bowed, whatever that is, I want you to picture putting it in your hand and holding your hands out to the Lord. And in your heart, you say, Lord, I give you this, whatever it is. Lord, in my heart, it's a sacrifice. Please raise it from the dead. And Lord, by your spirit, cause me to walk and not just talk, but to live a life of faith like Abraham and especially our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this
0: in His name. Amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you visit if you're in the area. For more information or to find our location please visit thegateoc.com. Amazing.